Welcome to the Productivity Show by Asian Efficiency, helping you do more and be better. And now here's your host, Zachary Sexton. You are tuned into the Productivity Show by Asian Efficiency. My name is Zachary Sexton, and today I have with me Wilhelm Fonsell. Welcome, Wilhelm. And, and I'm going to be calling you Will from now on. Is that right? <laughs> That's perfectly fine, Zachary. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be here. All right. I'm not doing that to be a jerk. You said Will is, is, is actually what you like to go by. Um, and Tan, who's the founder of Asian Efficiency, would actually have a very easy time pronouncing that name. He is Dutch, but you are South African, and that comes from the, uh, the Dutch-English descent, right? Yes, that's right. Um, my native language is actually Afrikaans, which, which kind of sounds like Dutch with a little bit of German thrown in there. All right. Well, learning about productivity and geography and language all, all at the same time. But, Willem, uh, <laughs> the reason you are on is because you actually help people work smarter and get more done. Uh, you specialize in providing productivity as well as accountability coaching and you do that in a unique way. You do it all in the digital space. And that's what I wanted to talk to you about because coaching is something that I'm very interested in. It's something that we're going to be doing more at Asian Efficiency. Typically, we've been doing lots of blogs, lots of podcasts, lots of courses, but that one-on-one -on -one accountability and, and just specializing on the situation proves to actually have a lot more benefits. But I want to ask you first... Um, what got you into digital coaching? Because you work on the Coach Me platform, and uh, for those who are interested in a little bit more about that and the founder and his thoughts on that, Tony Stumblebine, we interviewed on episode 55. But what got you started working on that platform? Sure. Well, I was a, or, and I still am, a coach in real life as well. Um, but I wanted to expand my client base, and one of the best ways to expand your client base with a, with a information service like this is to go online. So what I did at first is I started promoting my promoting my coaching services via my website, and that did fairly well. But um, then I heard about this service called Coach.me. Back then, they were they were actually still called Lyft, um, and I had been a long time Lyft user just for general habit tracking. Um, the Lyft app used to allow you to define certain things that you want to try and do every day. And then if you were able to log those things every day and build up streaks, it would give you encouragement. And you could also talk to other users of the app who were trying to reach the same goals and you could exchange ideas and so on. Uh, the, the Lyft guys realized that there was a, that there was a lot of potential um, in terms of adding coaching onto that platform. And so they opened up uh, they opened up the coaching service as part of Lyft and they renamed the company to Coach.me. And right as that happened, um, I found out about that coaching aspect of it and I um, applied to sign up as one of their, as one of their initial coaches. Um, I got in and they, they helped me and a bunch of other coaches by doing some of the promotion for us, but also by kind of guiding us um, down this road of how we would do digital coaching versus in-person coaching, there are, there are some differences between the two, but both have their benefits as well. Um, they guided us, they helped us, and since then I've actually been trying to focus most of my coaching service on Coach.me because it's, it's very convenient to me. I can coach whenever I have time. Uh, it doesn't always have to be a face-to-face -face meeting or a phone call. Much of my coaching I do over text messages. 
Um, and it's convenient to my clients as well because it doesn't matter where in the world they are. They can sign up for my coaching and um, whenever they're awake, they can message me. Whenever I'm awake, I can message them. And because digital coaching like this can be in their pocket, on their smartphone, or on their desk, on their computer as they're working, the moment they have problems, they can contact me and I can help them with their issues and we can come up with a strategy, get them through it, and see what lessons we can learn for the future. Wow. So what are some of those differences between in-person and digital? Well, the first thing would be that with in-person coaching, typically you meet with your coach once a week, maybe once every two weeks or once every month, and you discuss the issues that you've been having recently. Um, You and your coach come up with some potential solutions, and you then go off and try to implement these. Um, then you only see your coach again a couple of days or a couple of weeks later. With digital coaching, you're constantly in touch. What I try and do is um, I I message my clients at least once every day. I try and do it more often. But the moment they have an issue, they can send me a message. I get a notification. And if we both have time, we can immediately have a coaching session, even if it's just a quick little two- or five-minute session. We can talk. We can figure out what they need to do. And they can take action. They don't have to wait um, to hear from me. Um, Another big difference is in terms of costing. Because because you can scale digital coaching a lot more than you can in-person coaching, especially when you're not doing phone calls, but you're rather doing uh, text-based messaging and text-based coaching, you're able to set different price points. So you can make coaching more affordable for more people because you're able to help more people and you're able to fit more coaching clients into your weekly schedule. So when you say you try to message people once a day, what are those typical messages? Well, it depends on the goal that the client signed up with me for. Um, I have several goals that I help clients with. The the major ones are setting priorities for their day, uh, being held accountable, and dealing with their email using techniques like Inbox Zero and so on. Depending on what their goals are and what level of attention they need, those daily check-ins might just be accountability check-ins where I just ask them, hey, are you sticking to the process we defined? What are the obstacles you've encountered today and what can we do to solve them, etc.? Or it may be that every day is unique and every day there are different challenges that we need to sit together for a couple of minutes and figure out. Uh, most of the time people have a lot of new challenges initially and then they kind of settle into a rhythm where they understand what they need to do. Um, They've seen the strategies work for them and I then function as an accountability partner to make sure that they stick to those things and that they don't deviate and go back to their old habits. A A lot of this digital coaching is based around habit building as well. Uh, you need to know how habits work and understand how different kinds of people build habits or why they might struggle in building their habits so you can help them around those things. I noticed uh, I was looking at your Twitter before we got on. You had tweeted some things out by Gretchen Rubin. Do you use any of her strategies that can be found in her book? I think it's better than before. Yes, I do. In fact, there's, a, there's an online survey that she created uh, based on that book where um, you answer a couple of questions and the survey then groups you into one of her personality types. And I've actually found it very useful to have my clients take that survey before we start our coaching because based on the type of person they are, um, 
you need to take a different approach to how you're going to help them build habits. So some people, for instance, build habits more easily when they know there's someone out there who requires them to do it. Um, other people, if they know there's someone out there who, who's asking them to do this, they're going to rebel and they're going to refuse to do it. They want internal motivation. Um, that book of Gretchen's is very, very interesting. And I actually return to it quite often and just um, just go through my passages that I highlighted again. And every time I do, I still find more things that I can use with my clients. Yeah, I, I think the two main ones I really like the most are the obligers, is what you're talking about, is people who basically need somebody else to do something for, they have a hard time doing them things for themselves, and then the questioners, and they, you would, you, you're right, you would totally coach them completely different or differently because a questioner like myself, if you give me a reason why, as long as I believe in that reason and it's good enough for me, I'll, I'll follow through. You know, maybe I'll need some reminders and things like that, but I don't necessarily, I do things for myself and because I think it makes sense. Where the obligers will just be like, oh gosh. Uh, Willem's gonna be mad at me if I if I don't uh, plan my day, so I better do it. Uh, but it still gets them to do that action that will produce results in their life. So either way, you know, it, it works. It doesn't matter what your personality type is. You can you can figure out a way to take consistent action on your goals, n- no matter how you you function in the world. Definitely, and in fact, if you know if you know what your personality type is, upholder, questioner, obliger, rebel, you have a lot of power because then you know how to work with your own mindset and how to get yourself to to learn habits. It's not just the coach that needs to understand your personality type. You as the coaching client needs to understand it as well and and see what insights it can give you into into improving yourself. It seems like this is especially early on you're saying people have a lot of questions early on even with simple things like zero in your inbox or setting priorities if you've never done something like that before, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered and you're doing this all text-based. Do you have any actual conversations over Skype or do you send them links to articles or videos? How, how does that initial onboarding look? Well, I actually want to start building up a library of videos where I explain many of these concepts because with video, I can also show diagrams and I can show on screen how I'm doing things and so on. At the moment, what I do is I have several articles on my website that I refer people to when I talk about specific topics. Um, you're, you're right in assuming that it would be difficult to convey complex topics just over text. So either I would give people an introduction in text and then refer them to the article and tell them to come and ask me questions afterwards, or I would suggest to them that we, we should rather jump on a phone call. Um, the, the amount of information you can convey over a phone call is a lot more than over text. If you do a phone call using a platform like Skype, for instance, we can even do a screen share and I can work on their computer and show them how to uh, implement this process that I'm talking about. So for instance, if we're doing Inbox Zero, I can actually sit with them, share their screen and show them how the Inbox Zero rules apply in their situation and in their inbox. All right. So if you have people from all over the world and I'm only mentioning this because I might have heard your phone. Do, are people texting you at all hours of the day? How do you how do you kind of handle all of those uh, those texts that might be coming in? Uh, yes, they do tend to text me at all hours of the day. When I get a message on Coach.me, um, I get an email notification that someone sent me a message, and all my notifications on all my devices are actually turned off, so I don't see it immediately. It doesn't interrupt me. 
but I've got a regular schedule on which I check these messages. Uh, so I communicate that to my clients as well. They know that if they message me, they can expect to hear back from me within two hours or within three hours or uh, whatever that delay is depending on the time of day and how busy I am and so on. Uh, it's definitely not something that's interrupting me constantly. I do the things on a schedule, then I get back to my other work I need to do, and then I come back to my coaching clients again the next time that schedule comes around. All right. And I, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, each client for uh, for a week is is $15. Is that right? That's right. It's $14.99 uh, if, you, if the client pays weekly or it is $64.99 if they pay monthly. So there's a slight discount there. Okay. And then what, what the clients can also do is they can purchase individual phone calls or they can purchase a bundle of phone calls. Um, if they purchase a bundle, they get five calls. And I often recommend to people they should, they should get the bundle along with the text-based coaching because we can then, for instance, at the start of every week have a phone call and throughout the week we can use the text-based coaching just to, just to do touch-ups. Okay. And with, the, with $15 a, uh, a client, you, to make a living doing this, if you said you were wanting to go completely digital, how many clients would you balance at one time? At one point I had... Um, I had up to 80 clients on the Coach.me platform, and then I had a, had a couple of clients outside of the platform as well. Uh, it's not necessarily that manageable past a certain level. So what I've realized is um, I, need to go for, I need to go for quality rather than quantity. I try and rather go for clients who I know are going to be long-term clients and who have a lot of issues that I can help them with. I would rather help a client with a lot of things over a longer period than um, just spend a couple of days helping them sort out one or two problems and then they move on. Um, those longer-term clients, they, they get more benefit from the relationship as well because as, as we find solutions to one issue and they kind of level up, we can move on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and later on, naturally, they start coming up with topics that I can help them with. So me as a coach becomes a part of their day-to-day -day life for them. All right. And what's that sweet spot? You said 80 was too many. What do you feel like yes. a good number to have as a coach me coach? I think it would depend on how much free time you have as well. Uh, the, the reason 80 was too many for me is I have a, a full-time job as well at a software company. I have my own software development agency. That takes up most of my time. If I did, was not doing that, then I would definitely be able to do 80 or more. Um, given that I have a day job, 80 is too much. Um, I found my sweet spot are between 30 and 40. Uh, that's coach.me clients only. Uh, In-person clients, I have about 10 as well that I, that I see on a, on a bi-weekly or on a monthly basis. Okay, so you do all of this coaching in addition to another 40-hour a week job? That's right. I spend, about, I spend between 25 and 30 hours on my other job, and the rest of the time is on my coaching. Okay, cool. So it's, it's not necessarily the platform isn't really built to do a full-time income from, uh, because if you're doing about 40 clients, it's 240 a week, and It'll be a, a pretty low income, especially considering the you know, the skill set that you have for it. So you'd need to either 
have something else or maybe do full full time one on one coaching with with people to to make that a little bit more sustainable. Yes, I think at the moment you do need to supplement it with other incomes as well. And and I believe Coach of Me themselves um, also have the opinion at the moment that they're not expecting anyone to leave their day jobs to do uh, this kind of coaching. It's definitely going to move towards that. Um, and and the way that's going to happen is you need to diversify and not just have text-based clients, um, but also have phone call clients because you can make you can make a much better income from phone call clients. You can actually set your pricing for phone calls. Whereas with text-based chats, it's always the standard $14.99 a week. Uh, also, Coach.me has a referral and an, and an affiliate program. So as a coach who specializes in productivity, um, I can't necessarily help someone with a topic like fitness or a topic like diet. But I know of other coaches who can. And if I refer people to those coaches, as long as they remain clients there, I get an affiliate income from that as well. So there are ways to supplement the main text-based coaching income that can take you to that point where it could be your full-time job. Um, it, it all just depends on how well you diversify and how many clients you can get. All right. What are the things that you uh, enjoy helping people out the most with? I know Inbox Zero, dealing with colleagues, setting priorities, the Pomodoro technique, which is just time boxing, um, and writing to-do lists are all things that you have on your profile. What's what's most fun for you? I think the most fun one is just helping people take that step back and look at how they're doing things and how they're planning their days and whether those plans are helping them move towards their goals. So my my most popular goal um, out of the ones that I coach on Coach.me is set priorities for your day. And so many of my clients come to me and they – they're not planning at all. They, they're kind of taking the day ad hoc and whatever comes up, that's what they're going to work on. And then at the end of every day, they feel like they haven't really made progress or they're not really sure what they got done. I love helping to take them from that position to a situation where first thing every morning, they're creating a list for themselves, for themselves that's prioritized and that is aligned with their goals. And then throughout the day, they have strategies to aggressively work on just that list and not be disrupted or interrupted by other things. And at the end of the day, after they finish that list and they look back, they, can, they feel good about what they've done. If I can get someone to that kind of situation from the previous one, I feel very happy about the coaching service that I've provided. Yeah, that's, that's very valuable. What? How how does that typically look? Where where do you set people off to start? Do you say, hey, just write a list of things to do? Or how do you help them prioritize what the most important thing is? Do you have them set goals? Or gosh, what does that look like? Well, there's, there's a couple of uh, task management uh, systems out there. The most popular one is probably GTD, getting things done. And depending on what kind of work the person is doing, whether they're an office worker or whether they're someone who travels a lot or someone who's spending all the time outdoors, etc. Um, I try to determine which system will work best for them. And then, then we start simple. I always try and start simple and we tweak it from there. Usually a starting point would be firstly to get some way for them to easily capture everything they need to do so they can get it out of their head. And that's a very GTD concept. Uh, then once they've gotten those things out of their head and into a trusted system, the next step is to 
set a specific time every day that they're going to use to plan their day. And it needs to be the same time every day. It needs to be something they put on their calendar. So, so another appointment can't uh, take up the time they would have spent on this. And it needs to be something they do every day. Then when they sit down, they need to have a strategy for how they're going to plan their day. If they just randomly take a couple of tasks from their backlog, add it onto the list, and then try and work through it, chances are they're not going to stick with the habit for very long because um, they're going to end up not finishing the, the entire list because they overloaded themselves, uh, etc. So I, I then help them figure out what's a sensible way to decide what I'm going to do today. And there's a couple of ways you can do that. You can you can set time estimates on your tasks and see whether the total of the estimates is more than the total amount of time you have available in your day, etc. And then also, um, once they have that list, they need they need to prioritize, like you said. And I try and show them a couple of of ways they can do that. Like for instance, asking themselves which of the things on the list they least feel like doing. And doing that first—that's that's called eating the frog. It's a it's a concept that a author called Brian Tracy wrote about in his book. Um, if if the person eats the frog first thing, then all of the other tasks on their to do list just get easier from there on. So they've already got a little a little boost for the day. They've got a little win, and those little wins are important. Um, once they've got their task list, once they have a process for working through it. And once they then start doing it consistently, they start seeing real changes in their career and in their life and in the amount of things they get done. That's wonderful. Yeah, we, we're definitely familiar with the eat that frog concept or uh, we're all about it. It's one of our, our fundamental techniques is you got you to gotta eat that frog first thing in the morning and then everything else is downhill from there. Uh, when, when you talked about uh, getting everything out of your head, where do you typically point people? Paper, uh, one task manager we use here is OmniFocus. Um, another one I noticed that you might have a course for is uh, Trello. Where do you usually point people for keeping track of all of their should, would, could, ought tos? Sure. Well, I've got a couple of criteria for a good system. First and foremost, it needs to be easy to capture something in there. If, if you're using an app, an app on your phone or on your computer to capture your tasks and every time you, you want to capture a new task, you need to click five things and set three options, etc., etc., then that is going to dissuade you from adding information to it, into it because it becomes too difficult. It needs to be a one-button or one-click action to add a new task. You just need to capture it, get it out of your head, and continue with what you're doing. Uh, if, people, if people are using or if people want to use an app, I usually recommend Trello, yes, or I recommend Todoist. The two apps work for different types of uh, different types of people. Todoist is more for people who like to organize their work into projects, and they have a lot of things to do in each of those projects. Whereas Trello or Kanban board-based systems like Trello work better for people who don't necessarily have a lot of small tasks, but they've, they have a lot of bigger tasks. And they like being able to see visual progress with their team. For instance, they, they like being able to see all of these things still need to be started. All of these things are ongoing at the moment, and these are the people working on it. All of these things are waiting for someone to review it, etc. 
um, in cases like that, Kanban works better. Yeah, I like that. And the other question I had when it came to planning your day, uh, that that's smart. I haven't really heard people say that. People are like, well, you need to plan your day, but having a system for planning your day, how do you usually coach people around that? What, what's the system that you suggest they do rather than just looking at the, all the lists or all the cards in, the, in Trello and just randomly picking? Well, you're right. I, I actually have a lot of clients who in the past jumped around between multiple apps or multiple, multiple tools to manage their tasks and none of them worked for them. And I tend to tell them it's, it's not that there's anything wrong with, with the apps you tried or with the methods you tried. Um, the problem is the app alone is not going to solve your, your, your situation. You need to have a strategy for using it. So the strategy that I found most useful for day-to-day planning is to firstly know what your goals are. You need to know where you want to be five years from now or where you want to be a year from now and you need to understand how that translates into what you need to get done this month or this week. So if you, for instance, sit down on a weekly basis and you review your goals and you think, you think about how the things you're going to do the upcoming week can help you move towards those goals, then you can start creating kind of skeleton or draft task lists for your upcoming week. And then the next week on a daily basis, you can use those drafts and just flesh them out based on what actually happened in, in real life. Um, unexpected things always come up. But if you, if you always link your daily task lists to your larger goals, then you're already a, a long way ahead of most people in terms of, of planning your days. Well, Willem, I, I think that's a great idea. And that's actually what I would suggest people do as well. But I think I read something recently that something like 3% of people have written goals that they, um, not even that they ref- reference, but they just have current written goals. So that's something you need to even back up further and help people pin those down? Often, yes. And also... People sometimes have written goals, but they're not, they're not well-defined goals. So someone might have a goal of uh, get fit, but that's not, a, that's not an achievable goal because how, how do you actually know whether you've reached it or whether you've achieved it? Um, goals need to be smart. Uh, this is a concept that's been around for a long time. Smart goals are um, they're specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. So for for a good goal definition, you need to have some kind of measure in there. So instead of, I want to get fit, your goal should be, I want to lose X amount of kilograms. And instead of, instead of just being, I want to get fit with no specific deadline, it needs to be, I want to lose this amount of kilograms in eight months or in 10 months. And it needs to be realistic, it needs to be um, attainable, et cetera, et cetera. I often take that extra step back, sit down with people, help them list out what it is they actually want to achieve, help them make, make sure that those goals are smart goals, and then I help them decide which of those goals they're going to work on first because many people have a lot of goals. I've, I've seen people send me lists of 50 or 100 plus goals that they want to achieve and what they need to do in a case like that is limit the amount of work that they've got in pro- in progress. Because if you try and work on, say, 20 different goals every month, 
chances are you're not going to make any real progress on them. You're going to make a little bit of progress here and a little bit of progress there, but just the startup and the shutdown cost of switching goals is going to hold you back more than your than your progress is going to take you forward. So in cases like that where people have a lot of goals, I also help them figure out which ones they're going to work on first and then set a limit for themselves. For instance, I'm going to work on five goals at a time. I'm not allowed to start on another one until I've finished one of these five. And by funneling it like that, they they tend to get through their goals much faster as well. And, and again, that comes back to having a win. Every time they manage to achieve a goal and they have a win, it's so much easier to achieve the next one. Yeah, it, it seems like the more you pare it down, the faster the progress, the more the motivation. And one book I've reread recently, The One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papazan, really makes you think, just, man, maybe it should just be one. Uh, because it's it's really easy to want to do all the things and have them have them all happen at once. But when you uh, when you really hone down and decide what it is that you uh, that you really want, and you could start taking some massive action towards achieving it versus a little bit of action here and there uh, that, that will eventually give you the results that you want. But you that you run the risk of losing interest and shifting and going to the next thing and and all that noise we we kind of know about. So. Uh, that's that's really helpful. I I, I really I think you've, you've got a uh, a good system, a good process. It shows that you've been taking this seriously and that you've been wanting to do it for a while. And it's definitely at a a price point, especially just the text messaging service that a lot more people can afford and a lot more people can take advantage of the accountability of the knowledge that you have. So um, I'm glad we're able to uh, to share that message with a few other people before. I let you go. I've got to ask you three questions that we always ask. And one of them used to be a frog. We used to ask people uh, a book, a tool, and a frog from Brian Tracy's Eat That Frog. Uh, But now we we changed it up a little bit. And now it's a a book, a tool, and a ritual that uh, has all helped you become more productive or just gain value to your life. So I want to ask you, what's one book that's helped you out recently or that you just always recommend to people? Sure. Well, I even though I work in technology and I use I, I use technology for my coaching and so on, um, technology does have a downside as well. Uh, we tend to the more we use technology, the more unsocial we tend to become, and the more we lose out on human interaction and so on. But there was actually a very good book about this topic that I read a little while ago. Um, it was called Hamlet's Blackberry by William Powers. And in this book, uh, Powers talks about how he realized that he was losing out on actual valuable human time by spending so much time with his gadgets. And it was a bit of an eye-opener for me because I'm a gadget lover and, like I said, I work with technology every day. But many of the things he pointed out, not just for the modern day but also in the past, how new technologies and new inventions have have kind of taken people away from social in, interaction and the downsides that that, that had um, were an eye-opener for me. So I would definitely recommend that. Hamlet's Blackberry by William Powers. Awesome. What about a tool or resource? Evernote's a typical example of that. Sure. Well, I mentioned, um, I mentioned Todoist and Trello earlier. I use Todoist myself. Um, out of all the task management uh, applications that I've tried, and I've tried a lot of them, it's the one that works best for me. Uh, it's quick to capture things in there. 
You can use it on your computer, on your phone, or even um, on 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 the web if you don't have your own computer with you. Uh, it's got group functionality. It's got awesome search and custom filters and all of that. I would definitely recommend to do it. But then also coach.me, even if you don't sign up for coaching via coach.me, just tracking your habits in it can be eye-opening. Um, if, you, if you, for instance, think that you're pretty good at achieving inbox zero and you start tracking that in coach.me, you might start seeing some trends like, yes, um, I'm good at it overall, except on the last week of every month for instance. And if you see a trend like that, you can investigate and figure out why that is and improve your process a bit. Huh. It's all about measuring. If you can't measure, you can't, you can't improve. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I, it, this is actually reminding me the first time I joined Lyft, about two or three, maybe even four years ago. It was, it was right when the app came out. And uh, it reminds me of what you said of, of having too many goals. I had, I think, 19 little things I wanted to do every day from uh, 20 push-ups yes. to practicing Spanish to uh, flossing. I just put everything in there. I was like, oh, I'm just going to be this perfect person. And after about two weeks, it had just all crashed and burned. And I, and I stopped. I quit when I noticed, oh, I was doing all these little unimportant things in over eating my frog because it, it just it mixed up the kind of the priorities there. Uh, so it, it did show that doing too many things at once doesn't work, but then also, uh, you know, if you want to, if you want to keep track of things, um, just that's, that's what you got to do. You got to see, see the trends, see what's going on, see what's really actually working or not. It's all about finding that, that sweet spot in the middle between, um, being able to track everything and being able to actually get things done. <laughs> Absolutely. And at a certain point, you just get that automaticity. Sometimes you, you, there's certain people that uh, that get up and go on a run in the morning. They don't even think about it. Other people, if you yes. ask them to do that, that would be crazy. That would just it would take all of their willpower for the day <laughs> to, to get out yes. and go for, go for that early morning run. So uh, it's just, just about focusing for, for a time till, till something could be automatic or uh, focusing until the goal is accomplished, uh, which is which is what you, you help people do. I really like what you said now, focusing for a while until it becomes automatic. And you're exactly right. Willpower is weak. We, we don't often think about it or we don't like to think about it, but willpower is not strong. Um, if we need to depend on willpower, chances are we're going to fail. But that's where habits come in. If you, if you can automate something that you previously needed to use willpower for, that's, that's, that's what a habit is. It's, it's, an, it's automatically doing what you need to do without needing to employ willpower to do it. Well, speaking of, what's that thing you do automatically or you're trying to become automatic in your life that, uh, that's, that's helped you out? Well, I try and set out an hour or two uh, just for myself every morning. No phones, no computers, no other people. That's my time first thing in the morning every day. And I've I often find that the way you start things, whether it's your day or your week or your year, the way you start things sets the tone for the rest of the period. So the way you start your day kind of sets the tone for how the rest of the day is going to go. The way you start your week sets the tone for how the rest of the week is going to go, etc. I try and set out an hour or two for myself every day. Um, it's easy for me because I'm an I'm a early riser naturally. I tend to get up at 4.30 or 5 every morning. 
And during that time, I plan my day. I think about the things I did the previous day. Um, I think about where I am in life and what I want to achieve and what I need to do to get there. And after I've had that little session in the morning, I find that it's so much easier to take on the challenges of the day as everyone else starts waking up and all these different things start coming at me. That's awesome. I actually just got off the phone call with Jeff Sanders, who has a podcast and now a forthcoming book called The 5 A.M. Miracle. And he talks about that same thing. You know, you just have it's there's some calm there. There's some clarity. You can set the tone either, you know, with with being outside or exercise or just being with yourself or planning the day, making things a little bit more intentional. So uh, I think that's a going to be a theme on the podcast for the next couple of weeks now that you uh, you mentioned that as well. Oh, great. I'll take a look at that book. It sounds interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, Willem, I, I absolutely appreciate your time. I know it's getting a little bit later there in South Africa, so I will let you go. If you have any parting words or places where people can connect with you online, feel free to share now and then we'll say goodbye. Sure. Well, the best place to connect with me would be via my website. That's um, pronotbusy.com, P-R-O-N-O-T-B-U-S-Y.com. Or people can go to my coach.me profile. Um, I've got a short link to it, which is bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash coach me villain. All right. We'll be sure to put that in the show notes as well. So if people forget that, they can go go to the show notes and, and find it right there. So Willem, I, I absolutely appreciate the time. It was fun. I always like talking about this subject and coaching and, and habits and um, all the things that you seem to be passionate about too. So I appreciate you coming on and sharing. Thank you very much, Zach. I enjoyed it. Special thanks to Wilhelm for coming on all the way from South Africa, representing digital coaches everywhere on the Coach Me platform. If you're a little more interested in what Coach Me is all about, go ahead and download the app or check out episode number 55 where I interview the CEO and founder, Tony Stumblebine. It's a great conversation, one of our longer episodes, but it's, uh, I, I didn't want to let that uh, thought leader go without answering a lot of questions. So if you're wanting a longer episode to learn a little bit more about habits, we talk about meditation, as well as how that platform moved from a, just a habit tracker to something that tracks your habits in addition to having more accountability with digital coaches. If you are interested in learning more about how to do more and be better, week to week, I recommend downloading our cheat sheet on the top 10 books that we recommend to be more productive. If you want to get access to that, go to theproductivityshow.com forward slash books, and you will get the PDF download with links to all of the books where you can get them all on Amazon and read and enjoy. And now, until next week, uh, hopefully you, you do plan, review, organize, prioritize, eliminate the unimportant, get a coach if you need help with that. Delegate and automate what you can. Focus on your most important task. Take care of yourself. Find momentum. Move towards your ideal. Achieve anything, but not everything. Enjoy this life. Do more and be better. Look forward to seeing you guys next Productive Monday.